This is Archbishop Blaise Supich, Archbishop of Chicago. Today, I invite you to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a non-for-profit apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization that utilizes media, both old and new, to share the faith on every continent and facilitate an encounter with Christ in His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. This is an invitation to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. When our hearts are open, the Lord changes and transforms us so that we in turn begin to share the warmth and light of Jesus Christ, who is the Word on Fire. The global benefactors of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. I am the vine, and you are the branches. This statement of Jesus from the Gospel for today is redolent of many other statements like it throughout the New Testament. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. I am the bread of life. Remain in me as I remain in the Father. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We are many parts. We are all one body. What do all these statements have in common? What do they all point to together? The fact that Jesus is not simply an inspiring teacher to whom we listen. No, no. Nothing is banal and flat and superficial as that. For Christian faith, Jesus is a field of force in which we participate, a body of which we are cells and molecules, a river in which we swim. That's getting at it. There's an organic relationship between Jesus and Christians. And this is why Jesus can make these startling statements. Again, from the Gospel for today, just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own, so neither can you unless you remain in me. And this even more dramatic statement, without me, you can do nothing. Again, anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. Now again, friends, you could admire Gandhi or Lincoln or any great spiritual or political hero, but you'd never be tempted to make statements like this. No matter how much you admire Lincoln as a political figure, as a moral hero, you'd never be tempted to say, well, without Lincoln, I couldn't live. Unless I remain grafted onto Lincoln, I can do nothing. But see, that's exactly what Jesus says about himself. I say these statements are startling, too, for another reason. They run counter to so many of our own inclusive sensibilities. Now, you know that in our culture today, 
That's the great virtue is inclusivity. The great vice is exclusivity to say I've got something that's uniquely mine or this makes me uniquely uh, better, distinct from you. We're very much into the inclusive style. And so these statements about unless you remain in Jesus, you can do nothing. Apart from me, no one has life. Well, they strike us as insensitive, as exclusive. Is Jesus really saying that unless a person is explicitly rooted in him, he can't be saved? Or that those who have rejected him are just like a worthless branch suitable for the fire? Is that the, the, the uh, import of these statements? Well, to understand this, I think we have to put it in a wider context. Jesus is not, as I've been saying, simply one guru or teacher among many. Rather, we say in our Christian faith that he is the word made flesh. He is the very embodiment of the power by which God makes and sustains the world. Now, what does this mean? It means that anything that exists at all exists through him. Didn't St. John tell us that? In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All that exists came to be through Him. See, if Jesus is just one teacher among many, we'd never make this exorbitant claim. But if He is, in fact, the Word, by and through which all things exist, well then, yeah, we do find our very being in Him. This Word of God is like the sunlight that illumines the air on a bright day. Take away the sun, you take away the light, period. Or, to shift the metaphor a little bit, he's like the air that we breathe. Take away the oxygen, we're no longer alive. The logos, the word, is that power through which we exist from moment to moment. More to it, as the logos, the word, Jesus is the ground of the order and structure of the universe. Thomas Aquinas said that all being is intelligible. That means it's marked by a formality, a structure, and order. That's why the sciences can exist. All the sciences assume that being is intelligible. That's marked by word, if you want. This means that whenever we think or ruminate or speculate or philosophize or engage in the sciences, we are grounded in the Logos. We're swimming in this divine intelligibility. All of science, philosophy, mathematics, literature is therefore grounded in Christ. Here we can see why the rabbis interpreted Adam before the fall as the first philosopher and the first scientist. That wonderful scene in the book of Genesis when Adam names all the animals. They come before him and he assigns their name. What's he doing? Well, he's literally cataloging them. That word catalog comes from two Greek words, kata, logon, according to the word. That's what Adam was doing. He was naming things according to their intelligibility. That's what all scientists 
do. That's what all philosophers do. Okay, now can you begin to see how this statement of Jesus is making more sense? Our existence, our life, our thought, all of it comes from the Logos, is conditioned by the Logos. Now, isn't it true? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can bear no fruit of being or life or thought. Jesus is really making a commonsensical remark, given who he is. Again, any other mere philosopher, mere religious teacher, mere guru couldn't say these things without engaging in the worst kind of hubris. But the one who is the Logos can and must say them. Implication? Every person on the planet, Buddhist, Hindu, Jew, Muslim, Christian, non-believer, is, in this sense, rooted in Christ. Whether they know it or not, whether they're formally conscious of it or not. Okay, you might be thinking, I'm with you, but then what difference does it make to be a Christian? You know, if everyone is, is rooted in the Logos, what's the point of being a Christian? Well, here's what it is, I think. Christians have been given the enormous privilege of knowing this Logos in a personal way. The Logos by which all things exist, the Logos that undergirds the intelligibility of the universe, the Logos by which all science and philosophy operate, is a person whom we in Jesus Christ have come to know. The Word, as St. John told us, became flesh and pitched his tent among us. That's what the Greek means there. We say became uh, flesh and dwelt among us. Literally pitched his tent among us. That means we can hear the Word with our own ears in the tones of a human voice. We can see the logic that lies behind all things walking among us, touching us and communing with us. What is, in fact, vaguely sensed in every science, in every philosophy, in every religion, becomes radiantly clear, indeed physically present to us in Jesus. And that is the difference of Christianity. That's the difference it makes. How beautifully St. John puts it in his first letter. What we have seen with our eyes, what we have touched with our hands, the word of life, this is what we share with you. Ah, that's it. That's it, Christians. That's the Christian difference. Everybody in some way is grounded in, rooted in, conditioned by the Logos. But we, Christians, we who have a relationship with Jesus, have seen this Logos with our eyes, have touched him with our hands. What a privilege. Christians have this privilege of participating as fully as one can in this logic that lies behind all of the universe. So here's the question. Why in the world would we wander away? I send that question out to, uh, to many people who have wandered away from the Christian faith. 
St. Peter had it right when many were leaving the Lord and Jesus turned to his disciples and said, well, are, are you going to leave me too? He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Even more clearly, he could have said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You are the word of eternal life. Anywhere we go away from Jesus Christ is walking further away from the fullness of the Logos. It's something here like being at the North Pole. If you're standing precisely on the North Pole, any step you take in any direction is a step away from that summit. Wherever we go, as we're looking for truth, goodness, beauty, or love, anywhere we go away from Christ is a step down, is a declension away from. Because every spiritual quest finally is a quest for him. Every intellectual quest, a search after the Logos, is a search for him. Every quest, every journey, is finally a journey toward him. And so what the gospel is telling us is, stay close to the fire. We've been given this incomparable privilege of knowing personally, physically, the Logos of God. Listen now what Jesus says. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. You see what he's saying here? Don't think of it as magic words. If I just ask for anything, I ask for a Maserati in the name of Jesus, I'll get it. No, no, it means if you stay rooted in me, you will be permanently and personally aligned to God's own mind. And therefore, whatever you ask for in that attitude, you will indeed get because it's what God wants. Remain rooted in the Logos and all the deepest hungers of your heart will be satisfied. All the deepest longings of your mind will be satisfied. For you will be in touch with the very logic of being. Stay close to that fire. Stay rooted in that Logos. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Word on Fire. My prayer is that each of us may be on fire with love for God and neighbor. Until next week, I pray that God will bless you and those you love.